Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? How about style, Dave? I got no style. I know. That's why I think we should talk about it so you can like learn some. What kind of style do you think no. I should have? <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're kind of like a hippie chic. Uh, <laughs> your face is hilarious. You're like, uh, yeah. nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I mean, I see myself as like the, uh, um, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking at? Just sort of Mr. Boring, you know, polo shirt and doctors kind of guy. Well, they say that the most successful entrepreneurs minimize the amount of decisions, unnecessary decisions they have to make in order to be able to have the power to make the tough decisions in the moment. And so oftentimes they will have a very simple wardrobe that they don't have to think about. Okay. Wow. This is not where I thought we'd be going today. I know. Me neither, but I just wanted to let you know what a great, what a great um, strategy you've got going there. Well, it's funny when I used to wear a suit and tie, you know, when I, when I got into say, I know good face there. Um, (laughs) You you saw my good face and you raised it. Um, (laughs) But when I used to wear a suit and tie, when I got out of Navy and I was in telecom sales and I mean, I did the braces, the whole nine yards here and which the West coast was, you know, um, little over the top, not, not East coast over the top. Um, but this again, the early nineties, we were still moving towards that business casual lookout here. At any rate, I digress. I would, I had no sense of style. And so what I learned from my practice mother-in-law who was an interior decorator was like, <laughs> you, you pick a tie you like, and then find colors in that tie. And then, you know, match braces with the same thing. And, and, and so I ended up with a closet of, very similar color palette and it turned out to be great because it was granimals i never had to give any thought i was just like half asleep in the morning grab this shirt grab this pie grab the suit it was all going to work just because of that so you know it was, it was adult granimals see there there you have it reducing the amount of decisions you have to make but dave that wasn't actually what i meant when i said style and i know i was misleading so i apologize But I think when we think about persuasion, we need to understand people's motivation. When we think about persuasion, when we think about leadership, we need to think about people's motivation. And by having just a small understanding of a few key pieces of personality style, you can really start to understand what motivates people and speak in the right language. So we got about 30 minutes, probably 25 since we talked about my dressing habits now. (laughs) And there's like a bazillion different behavioral assessments and and ways of looking at this stuff. How are we going to narrow this down and synthesize this into a 30 minute conversation? So the, the, yeah. And, and if, you know, in the audience, if you're listening, saying, what is Dave talking about? He's talking about disc, there's Myers-Briggs, there's strength finders, there's, you know, um, wealth dynamic, there's all these things, right? The two factors that really have made a huge difference for me, aside from all those big fill in the black dot assessments that are huge and long and give you lots of information, the two pieces 
are that generally people will be either task focused or relationship focused. And, and this is a spectrum. So it's not like you're one or the other. It's not a black and white kind of thing, but as we can understand which side of that spectrum people are on, we can start to understand what motivates the decisions they make and, you know, how we can motivate them. And the other factor is that some people are very fast moving, make decisions, go, go, go. And then along the other side of the uh, spectrum is people who are a lot more methodical. They want to think things through. They want to make sure they've got all their ducks in a row before they go in the pond or whatever. So just those two factors, I find helps me in the moment. They're really easy to remember and they help me to pull in some of that information as I'm trying to find somebody's motivation. You know, I think that's really insightful. Uh, you know, I'm being familiar, you know, certified in DISC, very familiar with Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, et cetera. Absolutely. People are typically task or people focused. And mm-hmm. what's more important? And if we know that, then we could speak to their language, right? Or, and again, this is important, folks. We're not talking about manipulation where you just say whatever it takes to get them to do what you want them to do, but look at things from their perspective, taking it from a, a Dale Carnegie um, viewpoint, look at it from their perspective and go, okay, if I'm, let's just say I'm a people person um, and, and I go, okay, I'm a people person, but Anne's a task person. So how can I look at this from her perspective to then say, okay, you know, if we, if we make this change, then the tasks you have to do will be more efficient, et cetera, right? If, if, if it's the opposite, I might go, well, if we make this change, that will free up time for you, right? And you'll be able to spend more time with your family. Both of those are true. Right. It's just a question of which one's going to appeal more. Exactly. And it also helps you understand people and where they're coming from too. I mean, you think about any conflict, usually interpersonal conflicts, whether it's with clients or coworkers or anybody, a lot of times you can identify, oh, wait, I'm a very relationship oriented people. I just got an email from Dave that said, Ann, need that report Friday. Thanks. And I'm like, whoa, dude, why so cold? Why, you know, and it can help me understand where he's coming from. Okay, cool. Dave is very task focused. He's not thinking about the relationship right now. He's thinking about officially getting stuff done. And so I can shift the way I'm thinking about what somebody else does. Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting here is since you're talking about conflict and and if there's no conflict, right, persuasion is easy. Right. Right. So, so, so talking about conflict and Darren and I covered this, uh, probably a year and a half ago or so, I'd have to go back and dig what episode it is. But conflict comes when there is a perceived uh, battle for resources, right? That's what causes conflict. You and I both want the same resource. And it seems at the time that only one of us can get it. Uh, There's a famous exercise, I forget the name of it, where you divide the group into two teams one uh, and there's a crop of oranges. Each team needs the crop for something different and unbeknownst to each, and they have to negotiate and unbeknownst to each team, one needs the pulp and one needs the, the, rind, the skin, right? And can they figure that out, right? So the perception is we need the orange. The reality is we need different pieces of the orange. So there's a, there, there, there's a way of collaborating there on that. My point is, if I understand that where you're coming from, your task, or your 
uh, a people oriented, then it gives me a, a point of view to look at, okay, what's this conflict and what's the perceived conflict? What's the perceived um, uh, uh, resource that we're fighting over? And is it real? Mm-hmm. Well, right. And is a difference in what we value task over relationship or vice versa, not better or worse, just different. If there is that difference in what we value, oftentimes it can seem like you said, like that perceived threat. Right. And if it's not there, right, then all of a sudden stress level goes way down when one person goes, wait a second, I think there's a way for us to um, uh, 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 not compromise, but actually work together on this, Mm -hmm. right, simply because we actually have different aim, we need different resources that complement each other or don't at least conflict with each other. Yeah. And, and maybe that cooperation is just in my head too. Sometimes it's not even saying, Dave, I need something different. It's me just thinking about it in a different way so that I can move forward with a much more positive mindset. Right. And then of course your energy goes up back to a previous podcast yes. too, right? When, when all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I see you way to the end of this. And so instead of coming at it with the energy of conflict, right? I come in with an energy of cooperation. Wait a second, I can find the win-win here. Mm-hmm. No, and you can have your, or you can eat your cake and have it too. Yeah, as long as we get cake. Yeah. 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 Most right. People, and then I was just going to say, most people get that saying wrong because you can have your cake and eat it too, but you typically can't eat your cake and have it too. Huh. I just got stuck at cake and cake, then I yeah. never listened to the rest of it. <laughs> And the same applies for people who are more methodical versus more spontaneous and decisive and, and move fast. Yeah. I, yeah being uh, rel- most of the time, fairly decisive. It kind of drives me nuts when somebody is, it's like to me, the obvious answer is right there. Come on, just make a decision. No, I got to sit on it. But, you know, and I'll borrow from disc personality, which is four different uh, factors. One of which is paces consistency, right? Um, that's the S the speed of our life that's what the s and this stands for it's the speed of our life or and and so people are very high s they're they don't make fast decisions they're extremely loyal and if you're a low s like me then that drives you kind of nuts right and understanding that can genuinely help you to be able to collaborate and be able to find that win-win what's funny i remember once um I was working as a VP of a, a managed service provider. So IT service company, we, you know, companies didn't have their own internal department and it was a, a freight forwarder um, custom agent out on the border in uh, out here in California. And during my preliminary meetings with the gentleman, I realized that he was really slow in making decisions. Normally the way I was brought up in sales is I wouldn't show anybody a proposal. I wasn't right there to close the deal with, right? Because I didn't want them having time to think about it. And, you know, if, if you know, and then change their mind. And this is all this old school stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in my career, I, was, I learned enough and I'm like, wait a second, this guy is not going to make a fast decision. And it was like an hour drive for me to get to his office. I didn't want to go there only to have him send me away to think on it, to come back. And so I sent him the proposal ahead of time and said, hey, can you take some time reviewing this? With somebody who is that way, it's the way you deal with it. Now, 
if he had questions, I said, you know, let's get on the phone. Let's talk about it right ahead of time. And it was the fastest close of my career. Mm. And this is a beautiful thing to understand about some people. For people who are more methodical, they want to think it through. They want to have all the information in place so they can make the right decision the first time. And by knowing this about somebody or suspecting even, by giving that opportunity, read through it, you know, go ahead and formulate your thoughts. Let's get together on it in a period of time, whether it's before meetings whether it's before difficult conversations, before like a performance evaluation, giving them the opportunity to see it, think about it, digest it, collect their facts and come back. They are going to be, you know, so much more willing to participate and willing to give all of their knowledge, their experience, their opinions and all that because they've had the time to think about it. Yeah, it's funny. I remember um, the company I use for my assessments, I was talking to one of our customer service reps at one point, and I don't remember what the change was, but she's like, hey, I found out tomorrow we're changing this policy, X. They're going to make a big announcement at the company. Now, I didn't work for the company. I was a customer, a client of theirs, but she was letting me know this. And I said, if they're not making the announcements tomorrow, how do you know? She goes, well, the boss came over and gave me a heads up. And I'm like, why would he? And I said, oh, you're a high S, aren't you? And she goes, yeah. And, and so they knew that this is what they make their living doing. And they knew that. And so they were, they wanted to make sure that there was no hiccups, that people didn't reject it. They didn't get pushback, that it was embraced by all. And so knowing, knowing somebody, how somebody makes a decision that was beneficial. Well, and it sounds like she was almost excited about it because she had the opportunity to reflect on it first before being required to respond. Absolutely. And I think the fact that they um, recognized her need and said, listen, we're going to give you, don't, don't tell anybody, but look at this. This is something we're thinking about doing. Can you just, you know, sit on this for a little sit with it? You mm -hmm. know, yeah. um, that, that was also beneficial. There's, and I'm not sure how this ties into persuasion, but it, it, you, when we brought this up years ago, when I was running the operations department of a telecom business, I remember I had uh, one tech who was really slow and meticulous. And he was a smart tech, but if we needed something fixed quickly, he was not the guy I sent. However, when we had one of those problems that we couldn't get resolved because people were, you know, really needed somebody to sit down and, and take their time. He was the man because mm -hmm. he would take his time. He wouldn't jump in and make decisions what to do. He would do his research. He would. And, and when he solved it, it stayed solved. Mm, I love it. And, and again, giving him not only the opportunity to shine at what he's good at, but again, creating that pride point so that he feels like he won because he got to use his, he's not being held to a timeline. Um, and, and he got the work done really well. Yeah. And of course, when I would give him a particular problem that let's say one or two other texts had been on, and, you know, if, and his name was Art, and if I gave it to Art, it was always like, listen, Art, this is, don't feel pressure. You just take the time you need, get this done. It was really important when I spoke to him that I said this. So he didn't think like, oh, I've got to solve this in a hurry. We've, we've had Randy out there and, you know, we've had Don out there. Neither of them got these things fixed. The customer is frustrated. As long as we get it fixed permanently, they'll be happy. 
take your time to do it. And then it was like, you could see his shoulders relax. And then, you know, he was on it. And, yeah. and, and when, and when he fixed it, it was fixed. It was fixed. Well, and, and it, it begs the activity of looking at your goals, looking at what you call your motivators for your team. You know, is it numbers-based? Is it time-based? And looking at those things and thinking, okay, how does somebody who doesn't necessarily work that way respond to that kind of goal? You know, if, if somebody who's very, very people-oriented feel is on a, you know, maybe customer service calls and feels like they need to move it along and follow a script and be very, you know, like get them off the phone quick so they can do, it's going to go against everything they believe in because they want to create a great relationship and rapport and experience for that person on the phone. Yes, they may be solving the problem and getting the task done very well, but maybe they're having a hard time meeting those goals because of that focus that they have. Yeah, it's funny. You bring in mind to me Zappos shoes. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Zappos. Um, uh, <laughs> they have some of my money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, now they're owned by Amazon, but they, you know, this was uh, probably 10 years ago or so they got bought by Amazon. Um, but when they started, and I think they're the same way now because they're run as an independent company there. In fact, I know they are. Um, they don't, they don't pay for marketing. Their marketing is customer service. Every penny that would go into marketing goes into customer service for them. And one of their um, philosophies is that you spend the time the customer needs on the phone. And there's an apocryphal story that I have confirmed with management at Zappos is a true story where they had one customer service uh, agent and they have another name for them. I can't remember what they call them, but customer service rep spent 10 hours on a single phone call. Holy moly. And sold a single pair of Nikes out of it. Now, here's the deal. This is what's so interesting. They brag about this because it represents their um, philosophy. And at the same time, they don't want that to happen all the time because it costs them a lot of money. However, they didn't that that customer service agent did not get in trouble. In fact, he's been lauded for that uh, because it was their philosophy. And my point here, I guess, is when you are a people, when you're a company like this, you hire people, focused people. Right. If they had hired task focused people, the result there would have been different. I would have had a real, even though I'm pretty real, I think I'm right in the middle. I would have had a really hard time spending 10 hours on the phone. I would have been like, okay, dude, we got, we got stuff to do. We have to get this done. <laughs> I need to get off the phone with you right now. <laughs> so I wouldn't have been the right one for that, which is exactly your point. Hire to what you need, hire to the culture and think about how these particular personality traits can play in. Right. Or in a case, if I hired you at Zappos, maybe listen, the task is to make the customer feel good. Sure. Right. There you go. That's and now all of a sudden, it's not about making a connection. It's about my task. Mm, right? Checking and, the box. And this, yep. Again, this is where understanding is so important. Yep. All right. So where do we go from here? So in persuasion, let's just wrap this up, put a nice bow on it. I think that's our task. That's our and task. Want, let's do it. And we want people to feel good about themselves. And they want to understand that we want them to connect with us as well. So what's mm -hmm. this have to do with everything? If I need to persuade people, then I need to understand whether their leverage is on the people side or the task side. And I need to understand 
how they make their decisions, what kind of time frame, so that I can give them the space they need. Or if they don't need the space, they're quick, quick deciders, you know, let them know, right? Play, play to their strengths. Yep. Absolutely. And the, and the thing I love about this over all of those other formats is it's so easy to remember in the moment. You know? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, you don't need to go, hold on. Can you fill out this hundred page question? Yeah. Let me... What does the D stand for again? <laughs> yeah. I know what it does in my case. Um, yeah. Dave. Um, oh. 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 <laughs> it's not what you thought I was going to say, is it? You know, I don't worry about the past. I'm trying to stay mindful. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. No, but I, I do love this. And it really helps, especially, you know, we talk emotional intelligence. It helps you to wrap your brain around why people are doing what they're doing, if only to make your experience in life a little more pleasant. Well, and I think, you know, again, let's not walk down the emotional intelligence rabbit hole on this show. But if I know what motivates you, then my ability to read your emotional state, which is the ultimate goal of emotional intelligence, right? Know, know my own emotional state one, but then also be able to read other read the room. Mm-hmm. You know, if I understand what motivates you, it's easier for me to read the room. Hundred percent. And what motivates me is going down the emotional intelligence rabbit hole. I love that stuff. All right, we'll do that another time. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Take care. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.